Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. We live in a world of fees. Airlines, hotels, food delivery, and especially car dealers all charge excessive last-minute fees. When you want something badly enough, it feels like your only choice is to pay up. But what if you had a choice to take a stand instead? At Carvana, we believe in treating you better. With zero hidden fees, you can drive off without feeling ripped off. That's what it means to live fearlessly with Carvana. It's that little chico pit bull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken, and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you can get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on Negative to Positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how our life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. Let's make some mayhem. Shoot and loot your way through a mayhem-fueled adventure in Borderlands 3. Blast through new worlds and enemies as one of four new playable Vault Hunters, each with deep skill trees, abilities, and customization. Play solo or with your friends to take on insane enemies, score loads of loot, and save the galaxy from a fanatical threat. Mayhem is coming September 13th on PC, Xbox One, and PS4. Pre-order now at Borderlands.com. Rated M for Mature. It's that little chico pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends... Over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you want that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one to three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to Giant Size Heroes. This is number 18 of Giant Size Heroes. And we have a koi back from the desert. I is it, it the same koi who left? Uh, you know, it's it's an evolved koi. I definitely feel like I, I went... Like a Pokemon? Uh, yeah, you know, I'm definitely... I'm, I'm not quite Charizard, but I'm at least Charmeleon now. Aww. I feel like I've evolved out of my Charmander state. Uh, uh, Coimeleon is here to Koi chime Million in. Coimeleon is ready. <laughs> and it was it's a fire-based Pokemon. It was Burning Man. I, that accidentally <laughs> is perfect. I'm not mad at this at all. Uh, my fire-based self is so <laughs> stoked to be back. And uh, I had so many great comic book conversations with this burn uh, that it was really... I, I felt like you guys were with me. Giant-sized listeners. Uh, it was a very comic-y inside 
subject, not in format, uh, burn. And uh, like if you listen to the show, you might know Talison, uh, Talison Jaffe, who is a near and dear friend of mine. We got to break out like hawks pox he's conversations. Okay. He's, 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 a pretty, he's fine. He's a pretty cool, dude. Uh, <laughs> and I got uh, I went on a bunch of Chip Zdarsky rants uh, with and at poor Matt Mercer, who had to deal with me being like, no, you don't understand. Chip Zdarsky is writing everything incredibly and this is good. Uh, we talked about. I think uh, he'd be very happy to think he was being disgusted at Burning Man. Hey, uh, yeah, he seems like the kind of. I, I feel like Chip's a burner. Like Chip Sadarsky read his newsletters. Read as a burner. He dresses like a burner. Chip, if you were there and are listening, please do let me know. <laughs> uh, and also talked about like Nick Spencer's Craven Last Hunt Run. Talked a lot of Saga. Made me think of you guys. Um, Thank you was... for the Saga tweets, which have continued. Yes, please, always more <sighs> Saga. In fact, speaking of Saga, uh, I'm doing a thing with Skybound tomorrow, and it is a like. Talk by experiment of Twitch glory uh, that I'm really excited to dive into. And by and the time you're listening to this, it will have just happened. It will so have you just happened. Uh, uh, it will have happened on, on your on your Wednesday. Uh, but check out Skybound's uh, Twitch uh, stream. They'll have like clips of it. And uh, one of the things I know we're going to be talking about is Saga. So I'm very excited to bring Saga to the Skybound yeah. game. Yeah. Skybound, Skybound's a rad little little corner of the internet, so I'm, I'm intrigued. Skybound is an imprint of Image, which now has a multimedia arm. Some of y'all will know that because uh, our own Roxy Streer, I think, has some stuff going on over there. Yes. Um, a lot of folks that you might know from around the nerd internet have gotten involved over there. My buddy Whitney's over there sometimes. Uh, and they are rad. Um, and you may something may be developing with Koi. Who knows? Who knows? Really? Something's Mm. Don't tell anyone. Internet. Exclusives. Internet. Internet. Exclusives breaking here <laughs> on Giant Exclusive. Private exclusive place. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> we All assume none of y'all are listening to this, so we can just tell you anything, right? This is me in the void, just yelling out exclusives. And by the way, you should know that. Uh, okay. So that, was, that was actually Coy just making those noises with his, with his mouth. Nothing is wrong with your phone. <laughs> Do not adjust your set. Uh, it's just that we are out of control today. Uh, did you, Coy, get a mm. chance to read through descriptions of the extra footage for Far From Home I, that hit theaters this weekend? I actually intentionally didn't because I'm going to see it. Okay. So I didn't want to be like, I'm going to go watch that movie I read the extra stuff for. That so makes I, sense. I, I willingly uh, participated in avoiding it, but I thought we could talk about it here. And if I hear it, it's not going to be the same as reading it. So we can talk about it. I just didn't want to be like, because you know that visual thing? Like when you read a sentence, you're like, oh, there's that thing. So I actually do not know what's in there. I, I'm fascinated by the distinction you just drew between acquiring information visually and I lose information through sound so much quicker than I lose it through visual. Like, it, like when I see something, it sears into my mind. When I hear something, gone. Like, I don't remember anyone's name. Like, when I meet people, it takes like seven times. But I'll remember but if they what had they name look tags like. On, oh it would man, be fine. give me that like Thaddeus or like you know what I mean. Like, I do love name tags. They're great, and like I'm a really visual learner, which is why I think I like comics so much. It's all visual and it's all that. But names are are a seven seven round ordeal. Okay. Uh, and I can remember what someone like is wearing before I'll remember their name. So it's like, oh yeah, green coat. Like, oh, no, that person probably has an identity they want to stick to. No, it does cause problems because then the next time you see someone, they're almost never wearing that same sweater you remember. If they're a clean person. I, I was at Burning Man. I wore a lot of the same things. <laughs> I will say uh, I also have not had a chance to see the footage in context, so we might as well push a discussion of this. We'll see. Um, tweet us if you saw this, what you thought. Yes. The major impression seems to have been that it wasn't that much extra, um, but a couple of new beats and things that you can for you to enjoy uh, from this extended Spider-Man Far From Home to take advantage of the Labor Day weekend. I'm interested to see whether this trend continues of just like tinkering with movies and releasing a few different versions of them. It it's it's a strange pattern to get into. Yo, that uh, double dip though. Like why? Yeah. 
It, it's interesting because it directly works against the idea that there is a, a definitive version of something, which is uh, something arising over many years as both a convenience and its own symbolic, uh, meaningful distinction, uh, the idea that there is one version of a movie. Famously, of course, Blade Runner has a million cuts and there's arguments over which ones are considered the definitive and it used to be that you just – at least you knew what you meant if you said the theatrical version. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we're going to make that one also confusing. Yeah, DVD has been doing this for years. Now that it's movie theater choices, it's very different. It's very interesting. I, I don't know what I consider I – I don't mind art evolving but it's weird to have to talk about a cut. All the time. It is interesting. And uh, how long until we're just – I mean let me know if they're already doing this. But how long until Netflix is randomly serving you different endings of Clue? Ooh, that's fun. I kind of like the choose your own adventure – like not choose your own adventure. Like different cuts of movies just playing. Like what, what are we going to watch? I mean if everybody knows what they're in for, it could be fun. Uh, if it just means spending a lot of time trying to – I don't know. There's we, an argument to be made for having a finished version of something. We get an alternate cut of every single comic book movie except the Snyder Cut. <laughs> oh, no. Don't stop. The the movie that people want to cut for doesn't get another one. Other movies, here's another cut. You've been away for one week and you're already ready to poke people in the wounds. (laughs) I Uh, just realized like the Snyder Cut is the movie and everyone's like, yo, how about that Spider Cut instead of the Snyder Cut? (laughs) Roy is loopy, and that is understandable. Uh, I'm not. I'm not uh, trolling uh, the Snyder Cut fans. I'm very intrigued by it. I just think it's really interesting that other studios are doing this so advantageously. It's such a movement. I'm curious what is I mean, to come from filmmaking. Obviously, there is a, a there's a, a financial reason. a difference between four extra minutes of footage and, and a an substantially entirely new film. different movie. Yeah. Uh, but it is interesting to see how what what the limits are, the natural limits, if there are any, on this uh, approach towards storytelling. Yeah, and I like extended cuts of comics, like the director's cut of Immortal Hulk. Both issues one and two are gorgeous and staggering and amazing. So, and uh, in this case, tell me, because the Immortal Hulk one is it it pencils and script pages, yes. or is it actual extended material? It's it's pencils. And, I think there's a couple like scenes that didn't get finished in the issue one. I wonder if okay. I remember okay. correctly, and then it's the pencils and like the more traditional director's cut stuff. But I love. What goes into comics, and then if there is extended, that's always like welcome. Like deleted scenes on DVDs and Blu-rays are always great. Um, it's very fun to get that eye into the filmmaking process. Yeah, and comics are so much art that people don't realize the work goes into them. Like inkers are artists, and like colorists are holy crap. Like oh, yeah. it's really cool to break down the sheer number of human beings that are involved in making that thing you you enjoy. Yeah, it's easy to dismiss because comics are made by usually a few people rather than the thousands who can be involved in giant big budget movies. But that doesn't mean they aren't a fundamentally collaborative of works of art, which they mm-hmm. generally are. And, um, and I think all the different people, just like in film, need more love. Like I, I, yeah. I also, like I'm a huge advocate for a stunt Oscar and a casting director Oscar because without those two people, you cannot make the movie. Yeah. Like without a casting director or team of, you cannot – like how would we know Chris Evans is Cap? And then Chris Evans is not always Cap because of his stunt people. And these are people that mm-hmm. need those accolades uh, much like you cannot have a comic that is not colored if it's not a black and white comic. And even that is a colorist. So mm-hmm. uh, these things are, are – you need to appreciate all the, the people that do the work uh, just like we appreciate our dear sound booth people because without them, we are lost. What up, Renson? Who's probably left? <laughs> here, in, here. In tangent. <laughs> no, here, here. Uh, speaking of people that we will appreciate for whatever their contributions are, I am very fascinated by some all of the news that is currently breaking about filling out the, the cast of the Suicide Squad. The reason I introduced it in that way is that the first of these names broke, I think, not long after we recorded last week, but apparently Taika Waititi uh, might be in to play around in Suicide Squad, which makes me laugh because last week we agreed that we figured Nathan Fillion was probably very down to get blown up in a Suicide Squad movie. Yeah. I think Taika would 
love to get blown up in a Suicide Squad movie. It's pretty perfect. I, I love the visual. Yeah, I, I don't, I can't say for sure what's going to happen in this movie, but if I had to name someone who would absolutely love to play a goofy part and or get surprising destroyed uh, in a James Gunn movie, I feel like Taika Waititi would be down. You mean imaginary Hitler wants to get blown up in a <laughs> James Gunn movie? You don't say. A dark sense of humor from the guy <laughs> with the vampire comedy? Uh, I like, he's like trauma reincarnated and James Gunn worked at trauma. Like, yes, this makes so much sense. It, it, that's interesting. I would not have thought to make that comparison, but now I'm going to be fascinated there's, by There's it. a trauma flavor to Taika. A little bit. It's different. It's but, different. But like there's there's like there's a love of – there's a mutual love there. I definitely feel like trauma fans would like Taika. Certainly from Taika the guy who wrote a, a book called Make Your Own Damn Movie. Isn't that Lloyd's movie? Yeah. Lloyd yeah. Lloyd, Lloyd Kaufman and, uh, and Taika remind me of each other. Uh, so also filling out that cast, which we hear is getting finished in advance of a live read and then potentially the start of production – Peter Freegan Capaldi, yes. a.k.a. The Doctor, and possibly Pete Davidson from SNL? I am so glad to report on Pete Davidson in a in an acting or anything but his dating life like conversation, <laughs> man. I feel so bad for Pete Davidson. He seems like such a good dude and like that, that dude is only in tabloids and he's really funny and I really want him to get work and I really want him to be in the conversation in this professional way. Pete Davidson – Keep hustling, and I would love to see that. Like, what a what a weird. I love that Suicide Squad can have a cast of a hundred people because yeah. a lot are gonna go. <laughs> it's a really fun thing, and it keeps you on your toes, and that's so exciting. Like, who's gonna make it to the second act? I don't know. That's great. I am very interested to see how this all shapes up because it will be tough. Uh... You know, you you certain movies, recent superhero movies have pulled off the surprise uh, twists. Obviously, the first Suicide Squad played with that a little bit. The last Deadpool movie played with this a lot uh, in terms of exciting casting announcements. <gasps> the Vanisher is one of the best visual gimmicks I've ever seen, and it's six <laughs> frames. Brad Pitt is in that movie for six frames, and every frame is perfect. I love that bit. Um, also, and this is this is post Burning Man, so again, I apologize for the uh, the accidental language. Amy had a, a spelling error in our rundown, and it made me laugh out loud when I what read it. What did I write? Take out a TD, almost certainly down to get blown in Suicide Squad. I thought I wrote get blown up. No, there's a word missing, and it made me laugh every time I read it. So, uh, Taika, I'm a uh, Taika, sorry, Taika, I'm sure you are down to get blown. Uh, in I'm Suicide very Squad. sorry about my notes, which. <laughs> I'm not so entertained. Omitted a rather important word. <laughs> Taika, down to get blown in Suicide Squad. Hello, young listeners, oh my God. I missed you. Coy uh, so Peter Cavaldi and Pete Davidson also down to get blown in suicide. No, okay, stop. We're stopping this in its tracks. <laughs> I I will grant you that this is a hilarious typo, <laughs> but I do not need any further riffing on this subject. The English language, one word, changes the entire entire point of the sentence. You are very correct. Uh, but, speaking uh, of any um, attempt to refer to this at a future time, listeners, just so you know, is almost certainly going to get misinterpreted. <laughs> so. Please apply with caution, uh, and I will type more carefully <laughs> or less carefully. Who knows? It's, a, it's a f- hijinks, giant size, giant size. There's no cameras. <laughs> Chaos happens. I'm going to let Amy handle this tangent so it stays at least PG-13 appropriate. No, who knows? Honestly, <laughs> uh, it's not going to be PG-13 appropriate. It's going to be R appropriate. Coy Boom. handed me a beautiful tangent because this is just a rumor, merely a rumor. There is a rumor that we are getting the first teaser for Birds of Prey soon. 
the first proper teaser post-filming the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm very excited. And that's it. That's it. We just got a rumor that, like, a certain length thing had been approved. Uh, it would make sense. There's a major Warner Brothers release happening right now. We hope that a full trailer of some kind, I hope, will run with Joker. Yeah. Uh, a, obviously, a very different kind of movie, but, you know, why not? <laughs> uh, and, yeah, so I'm excited. Cross your fingers for that. If Hey, maybe by the time this lands on Thursday, it's actually out, in which case, even more excited. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. Next up, we got something that almost happened in a different Warner Brothers movie. We got a description of the plans for the cameo that would have appeared in Shazam had circumstances permitted. And we don't know if it was time or money or other things that got in the way, but it was kind of fun to read about this. Uh, It was just going to be a slightly longer scene. The certain cameo that happens at the end of Shazam was going to actually feature the marquee actor associated currently with the role and have a short exchange of dialogue. Now, it has been argued, I think, pretty successfully that the cameo works great as is. I think it's it like it has a lot of symbolic value to just see the logo because it's what it's about what the logo means to the kids. Mm-hmm. It's about the way they react to it and it in some time in some cases you diminish a beat if you let it go on too long. Now, I'm pretty sure that would have been counteracted by the fun of watching different parts of the universe yeah. interact. So, I think it kind of works both ways. What do you think? I had a really bittersweet uh, – actually, I saw this with uh, – the second time I watched this, I watched it with Hector um, and Hector hadn't seen it yet. So, Our friend Hector uh, Navarro. Sorry, Hector friend Navarro. Of uh, he- friend of the show, Hector Navarro. Uh, and he leaned over to me and I was waiting for his reaction because I would seen it and he went, oh, that was bittersweet. And I – that's exactly how I feel about it because you have the rush of <gasps> – and then the credits roll and you're like, no, because it didn't confirm we don't have Henry Cavill anymore but it – Definitely didn't lean us into thinking we still have Henry Cavill as Superman. It, def- it definitely to me it felt like just walling off a part of canon. Yeah, uh, in the sense that like we don't know this. It neither confirms nor denies other plans. But in, but it in showing doesn't it, reinforce it. Yeah, and his his Instagram weird video that I love so much. Have you seen the movie that the little one minute short that Henry Cavill made with when the Is all the rumors him? with him the dog barking and the the Superman toy. Okay, I thought I saw this. I remember the toy part, but maybe I only just saw like an image from it or something because I don't remember a dog. There's like a, a barking like – and he's like moving the Superman toy and he looks at it and then it goes – it just stops. And it's like the weirdest Am I Superman video. Going to guess uh, I watched that with the sound off. It's uh, it's very interesting <laughs> with sound on. Uh, so I, I – that plus the, the visual of not having him in the suit were both like – What's happening in a bad way for mm-hmm, me? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's just coming from a place of being a Man of Steel fan and huge fan of Henry Cavill's Superman. I think he's perfect. So to see someone else in the suit, because obviously it was since it didn't show his face, was kind of like, ooh, that's his suit. Uh, so I personally it read it. It is interesting to me because it's like Superman's a symbol before that or after that. For all we know, this establishes that in canon, Christopher Reeves is their Superman. We don't know. But it's Henry's suit. I, it's very specifically like yeah. the little S's and the color and the palette. Like if it was a different Superman suit, it would have raised a hundred more questions. But at least it wasn't Henry Cavill's suit because it's apparently Zachary Levi's stunt double, which is great. You should respect these people and give them Oscars. Uh, <laughs> and we're back. But uh, for me, seeing someone else in his suit by omission was kind of mm, – you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But that, okay. that's just my take. I just I had a hard time knowing that someone else was in that 
that sacred suit. That's fair. I think that as the movie, in in theory, if the movie is watched by more generations of filmmakers, or like not filmmakers, what am I saying? By more generations of film watchers, mm-hmm. uh, it will be less attached to the specific moment of historical uncertainty <laughs> in terms of the role. 100%. And I think that the cameo is going to play just fine. Ten years down the line, four, eh, it's, it's 2019, one year down the line. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was me in real time realizing how fast time moves. So I know, uh, did you hear about Mary Lou Roll Along? No. Uh, do you know what Mary Lou Roll Along is? No. Okay. Uh, I, this, okay, I'm hijacking the podcast just for a moment. Uh, you know who Richard Linklater is? Of course. Uh, he's making a new project. There is a Sondheim musical with a lot of non uh, – it sort of lacks a definitive version but has this incredible soundtrack. Is he boyhooding a musical? He's – okay. You don't – you aren't ready. Merrily We Roll Along is a musical that is told backwards in time starting with burned out middle-aged creatives and ending with excited young creatives setting out into the world. Oh my god. It is god. one of the hardest watches I've ever seen. I saw a college production of it that broke my heart into 10,000 pieces cuz it's very hard to watch. Yes. People start bitter and end excited, but it contains a bunch of incredible classic songs like Not a Day Goes By. Uh there's uh, so it is a, a divisive musical from from Sondheim, who is generally more artistically interesting than financially successful. That's his general <laughs> rep. Um, he's a master. He's done many of the most important musicals of all time. He did it Into the Woods. You know mm-hmm. him. Uh, but anyway, long story short, Richard Linklater is making a 20-year movie. Twenty. So he's boyhooding? But he's in reverse, boyhooding. He's boyhood mementoing. Yes. <gasps> yeah, he is. Boyhood Memento the Musical? Boyhood Memento the Musical. I missed so much when I was in the desert. It, but I did kind toy. of live 20 years in reverse. <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing. I, I'm terrified for it in advance. He's got ben, Beanie Feldstein and uh, Ben Platt, I think, uh, as his lead. Did he just start or has he been secretly filming for 10 years? Because he's very good like at this. It's like freaking Blumhouse or something. Oh it's in, it, a truly insane collaboration. I, I'm scared I love Linklater so much. I'm scared for it because I don't like – Here's the thing. 20 years of filmmaking, these actual happy young people are going to be actual conflicted oh, no, middle-aged people. Oh, no, we're actually going to suffer Because with them. life is going to affect them, sadly, one way or another. I'm not ready. Yeah, well, I can't believe they're doing this. I'm 31 in two weeks. I think I've been pretty happy for 20 years. Okay. Like, I definitely have darkness, but mm-hmm. I think I've only gotten more optimistic because as the world gets shittier, someone has to. So I do believe, optimistically, there is hope for at least one of these whippersnappers. I think there so are— So you're starting a pool on which one of these cast members yes. will be happy in 20 years. There are other me's. That's... And there are also people that were <laughs> unhappier as kids. Joseph Gordon-Levitt was hey, a very— is, it gets better. It does. It does. Uh, but, you know, Joe Gordon-Levitt, happy child star, did not enjoy college, came back in the game, now very happy dead. <laughs> There is a, there's an opportunity to be happier in 20 years, and I believe at least one of them will. So you're saying they might do better than their characters. I, I'm saying that they one of them will do better than their characters. That's so bleak, Coy. I, it's bleak and Only it's optimism. One Only one, oh, come on. Statistically, no. There's going to be very unhappy people. <laughs> the world's dark and full of sadness, but it doesn't have to be, dear listener. Man, Giant Size is a dangerous podcast. Yeah. Uh, but there's hope for the future. And okay, I'm really so curious what the world looks like in 20 years. That's amazing. I'm so excited about they're this. They're making a 20-year musical. Oh, and Linklater, I just saw where, uh, Where'd You Go, Bernadette, right before I left for the desert. And I people didn't like it, but I really dug it. I love Kate Blanchett having like a full-on midlife crisis of like faith and who she is. And, and Linklater makes such good live in the skin of other people movie. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait to see him do that for 20 years. 20 years. Wow. And they're going from talented youth to middle age. So casting wise, I think they can find some great. Wow. That's incredible. 
Yo, Sondheim, legit. I, I can't believe it's. I'm 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 fascinated. I want to think about nothing else for the next twenty years, but I'm also very scared to see it because, as I said, it's so sad, y'all. This may be our longest <laughs> non-comic tangent, but I do think it's canon for this type of world. It's fantasy, and if you're only here for comics, I'm we sorry, like, but that's I exciting. Do storytelling, oh, and I'm crap. fascinated by its implications for everything. Uh, and I haven't gotten to talk about it yet. 20 so. years. 20 years. I love his ambition so much. And if you haven't seen Everybody Wants Some, uh, my boy Glenn Powell's in it. And uh, it's impossibly good. And so many people have tweeted me like, hey, I thought you were in Everybody Wants Some. And it's a friend of mine. So I've had a Aww. really good time really being really proud of my friend Aww. who apparently speaks and looks enough like me. Um, but he is my fan cast for so many superheroes because I guarantee if you don't know the name Glenn Powell now, you will. Uh, and, he, and he got Top Gun 2. He's in Top Gun 2. I'm so proud oh, of my boy. That's wonderful. Uh, and everyone, everybody wants some is like a pseudo sequel to Dazed and Confused. It's set in the 80s instead of the 70s. And it's that like day in the life feeling that's just so warm and nice and fuzzy and not cynical. Watch it. That's beautiful. Uh, so we have a couple more pieces of movie news this week. We have – this is just a rumor. I don't know how seriously to take this information. Someone has said that there's a new cut of New Mutants, uh, the upcoming – theoretically upcoming mutant-based film that was originally a spinoff of Fox's X-Men films. Uh, someone has reported that there is a new cut that sort of – eliminate some of the connections between that and other Fox X-Men universe material. Whether that's just to make the movie more functional on its own or to set it up to tie into other things, we don't know. We also don't know if that's literally true. But it was it was an interesting sort of I'm, – I'm very excited to see uh, how this ends up shaking out. Uh, again, always want things to be good. Always would rather something get made uh, – I, so we're rooting for the film in that sense, but it is a very – it's an, just an interesting – like the film is an orphan in so many important ways. Um, so I'm curious to see what becomes of it. I think this is uh, – I've heard this rumor a lot of places, so I feel like there is a new cut, uh, whether or not the people that have claimed to have seen it have and, and where that rumor like expanded to. But I've, I, I've heard there's a new cut. Mm. Um, I don't know – what I want out of this movie because I know I wanted the trailer and I don't know if the new cut is going to be more or less like the trailer. I hear it's more horror-based, but I've heard that about every cut mm. because the way the rumor mill works and the way Twitter works and the way – like the more sensationalized headline is blankety-blank. Yeah. So I'm really excited to see this movie because I've heard of four different versions. Yeah. So I'm really curious what it is, when it lands, all those things. Um, but I don't personally think it's going to tie into any MCU. Interestingly for me, I think I'll probably do best if I can just separate it from the source material altogether because my original concerns with this movie are like they're the new mutants to which X-Men because the new mutants as a team was originally defined by their relationship to an existing more adult team. Right. Um, that they were different, that they didn't want to wear their uniforms, that they were kids, the first new generation coming into that setting. Yeah. And obviously those contextual elements – uh, we're already on shaky territory because of the things happening in the X-Men film and it seems like now may not play a role at all and that might be what's best for the narrative of the film. I, I completely agree and you can't have new mutants if you in canon don't have the original mutants like we were saying. So I'm very <laughs> curious who the new mutants are new to except for to us. And maybe it's just that they're new to themselves and maybe they can just tell a satisfying self-contained adolescent haunted mutant story maybe. Give I me hope. that Stranger Things cast in mutant I, movies. <laughs> 
Uh, we also got some interesting news for going forward. Speaking of connections, uh, I don't know. I don't have a segue for this one. But we <laughs> didn't talk about this last time, and it is kind of interesting and neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the DP of Venom 2 uh, talking about plans for that movie going forward. And uh, sort of casually, this I think happened just before we recorded last week, uh, in a Collider interview, uh, confirming that Woody Harrelson is back. So, Carnage. I really... I, I mean, we all but knew it was Carnage. Like, we knew that was coming. And I really am excited that we we're going to, like, finally see it. I think that everyone that liked Venom can agree. They liked the second two acts, ones that really got going the most. And I really think that now that we've done the, the world building of the movie, we can live in the weird world. I think, I think Venom 2 is going to be way better than Venom 1 as someone that liked Venom 1. So, the more pieces we get of this puzzle, the more I'm excited for it. I'm a Venom 1 defender, but I think it's... It's a fun movie while not always being a good movie. I think that's, this has potential to be a fun, good movie. Uh, so I think Woody Harrelson's going to have a great time in or out of that wig. I think they're going to make some changes. Uh, I think they read the internet. Uh, and I do think that Woody Harrelson as Carnage is a great idea. He's got, he's got the mania. He's got the, the coloring to be like, you know, Cletus Casty's red hair looks okay. Just got to change the wig. Uh, and Woody Harrelson's real life mirrors it so interestingly. Like his dad was an actual uh, serial killer. Um, I'm sorry. What? Woody Harrelson's dad. If I remember correctly, I, Woody Harrelson. I'm going to look this up off the podcast, but I super do not know what you are talking about. Uh, Woody Harrelson's dad, if I remember correctly, was a contract killer, and that's why when he played, yeah, Charles Charles Void Harrison was an American organized crime figure who was convicted of assassination of a federal judge. Uh, so, Holy cow! Yeah, when he played, uh, when he was in Natural Born Killers, it was like he, his dad was like a, a figure that, like, he was. Yeah, Woody Harrelson's got a crazy backstory. Wow. Okay, I see. Silence on the podcast. To, yeah, I'm. Uh, that's a lot to process. His dad was a hitman. Convicted. That is very, very fascinating, and I don't know that I can just like. I feel like that would make me less inclined to play Cletus Cassidy, aka Carnage. But you coping like, mechanisms. Yeah. Uh, wow. <laughs> Sorry, Internet. I just no. threw Amy right off. Uh, also, the, the cinema photographer, the cinematographer of this movie is – I forget his credits, but man, oh, man, do I love Richard. Uh, his name is Robert Richardson, and everything he's done is beautiful. He's a Tarantino DP. Um, he did Hugo as well, which is a stunning film. He just did Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, his frames are incredible. The way he world builds is amazing. Uh, I'm a huge fan of his, even though I, I had forgotten his name briefly. Apparently, uh, he worked on The Aviator, Kill Bill, and JFK. Yeah, he's that is a hell of a resume. Incredible. Like, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is some of the most beautiful cinematography you've seen in years. Live by Night was slept on visually. Uh, ben Affleck's movie he did in between. Uh, he's he's a beautiful DP. So I'm really excited for what Andy Serkis directing with this DP can do for Venom 2. It's really exciting. And he's also like an Oscar kind of flavor guy. It's going to be really different than Venom 1. I am so curious what this movie's going to be. The Aviator's DP with Smeagol directing. Tom Hardy as Venom and a real hitman son as Carnage in Venom 2. It's like Mad Libs. It really is. (laughs) Give me this movie. It's so much crazy. Like he's the DP on Casino. He's worked with Scorsese and he's worked with uh, Tarantino. He's worked like a few good men. Like what? Wow. Yeah, no, he goes back like JFK. uh, He did the Doors documentary. Born on the 4th of July. Like he's an OG incredible DP. Venom 2. Venom 2, y'all. Y'all are sleeping on Venom. Uh, if something makes eight hundred and fifty-one million dollars, and then you're like, "Yeah, I'll give it my take." Here's some. Here's a pile of money. I'm excited to see what a pile of money brings. I think Sony is gonna. I think in five years we're gonna look at Sony really differently than we do now. Okay. I think that like Disney is the powerhouse, but I think Sony's making really bold choices, and I think that's gonna give us very different movies. Like I, I 
certainly whoever was in charge of letting into the Spider-Verse be whatever they wanted it to be, like I advocate putting that person in charge of everything. 100%. He was uh, the DP of Platoon. I Holy mean, crap, what? guys. The DP of Platoon is the director of photography on Venom 2. All right. Today is the day that I can't <laughs> handle anything. Uh... So that's definitely happening, and I should have clearly known his name ages ago. Uh, but uh, this is going to be very, very interesting, <laughs> and I, I'm so excited, to my great surprise, to see what this is. Uh, People more, sleeping on it. Y'all ain't ready. <laughs> more weirder than we are ready for, although I think comic book fans, we are ready. I think weirder than the regular audience might be ready for. One division. Excellent. Excellent tangent. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, this we got. Uh, it was new to me. It came out of D twenty three, but it was some interview footage with MTV of uh, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany talking about WandaVision. Uh, and it's just a. Re- I do recommend going to watch this clip because it's just them attempting to, without spoilers, which it it sounded like Elizabeth Olsen was trying to be the spoiler police on this, and it was very funny. um, Because they were like, Paul Bettany, how do you come back? And he was like, well, and she was like, you'll have to watch and find out. Oh, that's adorable. Uh, It was very, very sweet. Uh, But they they talked about being excited for how different and how off the beaten track and how unexpected this – this series and this approach was for what he called essentially a six-hour movie, which will – it sounds like – it sounds as if they're saying essentially start with the strangest things and then end up in a familiar place, which sounds like to me starts in the sitcom reality, which will then break down and ultimately there will probably be some superhero fights as you – as they uncover what's going on there, either whether someone's trapped them there or whether they uncover some need to address a pressing emergency in the manner of many superhero stories. There's a reason you have to leave your ideal. You either got trapped there by someone or you are failing to deal with something and a crisis will motivate you to get out of it. Whatever those beats are um, that will take them through that series and in theory lead to Multiverse of Madness, I am – very excited for. Read Tom King's vision. Read House <laughs> of M. Yes. Put and, them together. Um, and I think that's what we're getting. We'll return to that because there was a, a great question this week. That One more reading uh, – one more title to put on your reading list for this that I keep forgetting to mention. So thank goodness to y'all who send the questions in. Uh, let's see. We also this week in TV news uh, got a very interesting new uh, adaptation confirmed and has a trailer out. I am saving it for now. I might watch it soon. But uh, Junji Ito's horror classic Uzumaki, uh, his manga that is absolutely terrifying, spirals eating the world. He's got some of the most evocative, gorgeous, terrifying art in, I'm just going to say, history. Uh, Junji Ito is a, a horror master of comics, and his book, Uzumaki, is being adapted, and I believe it's on Adult Swim or something like that. Uh and the trailer is out, uh, which I'm very excited by and would like to remind you all is a comic book thing. I am in love with anything people don't realize is comics or comics. Yeah. So I'm in full support of this getting all that hype. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. And speaking of things people aren't going to realize are comics, Watchmen looks great. It does. We talked about it on Heroes, but I think this is going to be this generation's – if you didn't know the Watchmen movie was a comic, I think so many people are going to discover comics through this. I think Watchmen is going to be mm. very unexpectedly – A new round of people actually checking exactly. it out. Exactly. I think it's going to be like Game of Thrones for HBO uh, and I think it's going to bring in an entirely new Watchmen fan base. I would love that to be true uh, because essentially I want comic books to get treated the way books are in the sense that 
interesting new books are constantly being adapted for television. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I feel like uh, what was that? Uh, the Amy Adams Sharp Objects was like a book that got turned into an acclaimed TV series. Mm-hmm. And nobody's like, oh, that's not real TV because it's based on a book. And in theory, it makes a bunch of people go out and check out the source material. Sure. That is what I want for comics. And it does seem like this might be a good shot at that if people get into it. Although I – I wonder about that, like the sort of prestige TV audience. Do they follow the links back? Do they go pick up the novels things are based on? I feel like a lot of people do. I feel like I feel like I hope so. Yeah, and I, I feel like you know Spider Man gets really popular when Spider Man comes out, yeah. and I think that like the more nuanced things will bring bigger bigger long term ramifications of comic fans. There is an unconfirmed uh, but very plausible. Uh, uh, Report out there that says that the reason, uh, like, or part of the reason that uh, the New York Times, like, uh, retired their graphic novel charts is that things would just, like, get on there and dominate too long. So, for instance, mostly that list would be Raina Telgemeier all the time these days. Yeah. Um, but there is an on the record example of something just sort of sitting on that list for 100 years. And that was that when the Watchmen movie came out, the Watchmen graphic novel just shot to the top and stayed there. And oh, stayed there. Yes. And stayed there. And stayed there. And it was hilarious because that one absolutely, that certainly reached an audience that was willing to track it back to the source material. And that was very beautiful. A lot of people checking out the original. I don't know what to expect from the HBO version. I hope and will laugh uh, happily through a lot of reactions of people being like, I didn't know comic book storytelling could be sophisticated. That's what I think Which is what always happens. Yes. Uh, Over and over again, they discover that comic book storytelling can be sophisticated. But I'm excited. I'm very excited. I want them to discover it because it's a real good book, (laughs) y'all. Did you know that Alan Moore's Washington? Very good. It's uh, it's uh, got some things going on. Uh, and Dave Gibbons isn't drawing this series, but they will make do with the fabulously beautiful real people that they have acting in it, and it's going to work out. They're great translations of the Gibbons pencil. <laughs> um, now I want to see a Dave Gibbons Regina King. Has he done one yet? He, You know what he has done? Absolute Carnage alternate cover. Really? Wait, no, it was a Venom alternate cover. He did, he did, uh, it was, it was Donny Cates. So I remember Donny Cates and, and Dave Gibbons. That's why I remember it. He did a Venom alternate cover and it's awesome. Oh, that's wonderful. I love that Dave Gibbons still does like some of the mainstream stuff and just pops up. I was like, Dave Gibbons cover? That's amazing. Heck yeah, Dave mm. Gibbons. I, I hope Dave Gibbons is getting a big check for this series. Please. I, I, I expect he is. Uh, he is an underappreciated element of why that novel works and is famous and successful. Uh, and he's great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Read Watchmen. Uh, trigger warnings. Lots of bad stuff. But uh, People. That's a great. Real Super people. Book. Super not so great. <laughs> uh, so in terms of the great and not so great of it all, we have a couple of interesting comic book news beats this week, uh, which – we – so this first one I'm very interested in. It's hard to tell how big a story this is. It may have just been a mutual change in direction or it may be a real story. But Hollywood Reporter ended up running with the fact that in Marvel Comics 1000, which landed last week with mm-hmm. an absolutely incredible talent roster uh, and a bunch of these one-page stories from the entire history of Marvel and a cool, impressive project – apparently had an edited a, – a different version of an essay by Mark Wade in it from the one that was distributed to retailers. And I failed to go snag our old version, so I don't have this to compare. I can't confirm this, um, but I assume Hollywood Reporter did. Uh, and there was a new – the essay that ran is about Captain America and about his history. And apparently the preview essay contained a more strongly worded commentary on the state of America. Now, that's kind of all we 
concretely know. Apparently, Marvel said that that they opted for something that was sort of more on in line with the tone of the book or something like that. But it is also possible that they, after we talked about the Art Spiegelman situation yeah. a few weeks ago, it is a not great timing to seem like you are pulling criticism of America from your comics. Uh, because apparently the original one really just said a flawed country, which it is. We all know that, even those of us who love it very much. Hmm. Uh, so that was an interesting piece of news this week. Your mileage may vary, but I would encourage you to go check out that st- uh, that uh, story. Uh, and honestly, I'm not done with Marvel 1000, even though they are one-page stories. Everything I looked at was really fun. I, I made fun of the project for the name, but the truth is that they do have 80 years of wonderful history to celebrate, and I was really enjoying going through it. So uh, I'm into it. But, uh, yeah, what do you think? I think that it's important to distinguish politics and comics are hand-in-hand, right? So mm-hmm. I think it's important to let your creators that you value, like Mark frickin' Wade, uh, <laughs> say what they want to say in a piece. So I, I don't love the idea of releasing a different article. Like, I'm sure it's fine, and I'm sure what he had to say in the new one is is, is fine, but it, it seems weird to remove such an integral piece of what makes comics great. Now, granted, if we didn't have that preview, we would have never known it happened. And it probably happens all the time that someone says, give me a new draft of this that meets whatever standard. Writing but- is writing. Second drafts are a thing. But we did know. And now it is a conversation. <laughs> and, like, you know, there, there's always the exception to the rule. Who knows what other greatness we don't get to find out. But since we do get to know. Just smoke or smoke and fire. It's, it's, it's the question of, of, like, what acceptable commentary is. And I think that any sort of uh, changing of what the original author's intent was makes me uncomfortable. I haven't read either. Uh, this I, is an extra funny statement because the original author is the codename Alan Moore had them use when they, kept, <laughs> they, when they want him to take his name off of things. The they just credited. To, yeah, this was a whole thing with Miracle I Man. I love that. But, uh, <laughs> Holy crap, I want that. I want to use that. That's amazing. Uh, do you have a pseudonym? I don't. Should I? I do. And I, I'll say it here. Is uh, it a private pseudonym or is it an internet-friendly pseudonym? It's internet-friendly. It's not like my my real Facebook or anything. It's, okay. it's, it's a fun – like when I fill out things that I know I'm going to get spam for, okay. like when I fill out like paperwork, yeah. uh, I go by Bob Schmorganoff. What? Because when I was 11 – no, 14. When I was 14, uh, I thought it would be funny to combine Schmirnoff and Captain Morgan's. Oh, my God. So Schmorganoff was born and the name Bob is just like the best to put in front of code names. Sure. So yeah. Bob Schmorganoff is what I've been filling out every single – so whenever I, whenever I get mail and it's that, I just throw it away because I know it's not real. So I have a, I have a, a personal real-life spam folder. Like if it says That's Bob Schmorganoff, I can just throw amazing. it away. So I've been filling out Bob Schmorganoff. So he's like – he's been around for 17 years now. He you probably need to has... write the fictional life of Bob Schmorganoff. Oh. What has he seen over, like, Richard Linklater style? What has his life been like over these many, many years? How has he grown and changed? Who are his friends? Who has let him down? He can vote next year. Bob Schmorganoff goes to the polls next year. Bob Schmorganoff can vote in 2020. Oh, my God. So I love, like, I love that there's one character I've had that has lived for almost two decades. So Bob sure enough. Yeah. I think it's important. Uh, we will get to the comic book pull list in one sec. There's one more piece of comic book news this week, which uh, we're just going to give a one line to. Um, you should check out major stories often break on Comics Beat or Comic Beat, uh, Heidi McDonald's uh, comics journalism site that I recommend. Uh, they have a report. This was just a uh, – there's a comic book author named Brian Wood. Uh, some new stories about him became public this week. Uh, there are some history behind those as well. Uh, in response to the most recent information, Dark Horse Comics, which has been his primary employer for the last couple of years, uh, has said that they are not moving forward with new projects with him. 
Uh, and we're going to leave it at that because we don't have a lot of detailed knowledge about that. But I do encourage you to go check that out, especially if that is a name that has been on your radar. Uh, uh, you know, I think that this is a good call from Dark Horse. But uh, that's sort of – that's in the comic book world. <laughs> Worth that's mentioning. That's what's going on. In any uh, industry, don't be a monster. Well, uh <laughs> Or, I mean, if you're going to be like a fun comic book monster. Yeah. Uh, like the ones in on this week's pull list. <laughs> <laughs> Transitions. <laughs> Nailing them. Oh, that was really good. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Only be a fictional monster. Uh, comic book pull list. Legion of Superheroes, Millennium, number one. Spawn, number 300. Pretty Deadly, The Rat, number one. Doomsday Clock, 11. And Web of Black Widow, number one. Uh, the co-pick for Jody Hauser Takes Over the Universe with Harley and Ivy, uh, number one, which yeah, also yeah, came out yeah. this week. But the, the Black Widow book just looks really good. I'm excited for a new... Like it's good to have a nice new mini out there. It's been a while. The Soska Sisters one wrapped up uh, a few months back, so we haven't had a regular Black Widow title. Uh, who knows if this will turn into an ongoing? Maybe if we all get behind it, it will. The Cisco uh, but- Sisters one's amazing, by the way. <gasps> have you read it? I read the beginning and I loved it. Really big fan. Okay. I, and I didn't know them, so it was really cool to discover them through it. And it's very consistent. It, it's it's a great art, the whole thing. Oh, uh, that's awesome. So this one is sort of uh, at least it seems from the description like it is teasing kind of a year one thing, uh, which should be very exciting since we are about to get ourselves some Black Widow backstory. I oh, think it's you- cool that they're doing this, that they're making it happen, and also Jody's really good at writing comics. So there's that. Jody writes some good comics. Comics, guys. Yeah. I, uh, and she's great. Uh, I also had a million backup picks this week. <laughs> I'm very greedy. Uh, so we talked about some of these on the show this week already. Uh, Pretty Deadly is great. It is beautiful. It is If it's like the other volumes, it is going to be as much myth and poetry as it is regular narrative. But maybe it will surprise us and be like something totally different. I'm excited <laughs> to find out. I have total faith in these creators. Uh, and I love watching them do their thing. Uh, House of X number four is obviously out this week. Next week is our big halfway catch-up uh, as we sit down with Hawks and Pox. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. get ready for Giant Size next week. Uh, we also have an interesting new indie coming out this week. Something is Killing the Children. James Tynan uh, has a new indie which looks cool and depressing. I loved his book The Woods and his various books about the end of the world, which is like a whole series that he has. Uh, so I have a feeling this will be one to watch, but I haven't had a chance to read it yet. And then my love, The Wicked and the Divine, wraps up this Wednesday. Why do things got to end? It's, gotta, it's going out on top. That's why. It's going to end gloriously. I, I actually just started Wicked and Divine. Uh, so I'm, <gasps> oh, I am, I'm, I'm so six issues in. Oh, you're six issues in. Okay, yeah. no spoilers, but that means you've already made some discoveries. Yes. Things went in a direction that should have made sense but surprised me. Is that, yeah, that's I'm, fair. I'm doing a chair dance. I'm very excited. Uh, the art is staggering. Right. Uh, it is a very right. pretty book. The writing's great too, but like the art is... is, is uh, and it's very... I'm really digging it. Uh, oh, I'm and so, so far, glad. I am loving every new I should have read this five years ago book I picked up. And it's been a really cool thing to like. So I'm reading three trades and every comic a week. So every week I'm trying to pick out three trades either in chronology with the other books or a new book to pick up. So I'm, I'm issue 70 for 100 bullets. So I'm, I'm almost done. Awesome, awesome. And then uh, I finished Saga a bit ago. Actually, what am I reading? Uh, I'm doing so. I'm doing three. My three right now are 100 bullets, Paper Girls, and Invincible. Heck yeah. So when I finish 
uh, Invincible, I'm going to do a full-on uh, reread of the Ultimate Universe. I'm going to do Ultimate Spider-Man from Invincible because oh, I haven't dang. reread Ultimate in a while. Ultimate Spider-Man is my favorite of all time, and I want to have one Spidey feeling title. Yeah. So I'm going to always be having a Spidey feel. So Invincible awesome. into Ultimate. And then uh, 100 Bullets, I'm going to reread all the old criminal stuff. And then when Paper Girls is done, we get in Vine. So I'm going to oh, keep like a beautiful, variety, right? Beautiful. You're going to love whatever you haven't read of Criminal. Yeah. Uh, which I feel like you've I've read all of Criminal, but oh, okay. I, but okay. like I the Brubaker like, run is really, on. like Brubaker Sean Phillips is really dense. Yeah. So I, I haven't read the stuff from like 06 okay. since then. Awesome. So I want to reread the stuff because I was, you know, a kid. Awesome. Uh, so I'm really excited to reread Criminal because I'm loving the new stuff. That's inspiring the reread. So Kieran Gillen and McKelvey are like Brubaker and Phillips in that they have now done a number of books together. They vibe together. They work together. They know each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just get better. Oh, uh, so I don't think they have something together on the horizon. Uh, I mean, they just wrapped up 45 issues. This is a lot. Four years. Uh, I mean, if you go straight through. Yeah. So I, I, they, they each have new projects in the works, I think. Uh, but uh, we, we don't know when the next uh, Gillum McKelvey joint is. We're just really excited. Like Wicked and Divine, it's it's wrapping up. It will, I'm sure, not make me cry forever. It's going to be fine. <laughs> and I want to reread the boys after that uh, before season two. Excellent. Uh, so finally, we have a couple of Twitter questions this week, unless I skipped anything else you want to say about comics this week. Uh, read them. They're amazing. And <laughs> right now is, uh, as ever, a glorious time to start or to keep going. It's so good, y'all. Please keep sending us those library pictures, those bookstore pictures, those sharing it with kids pictures. It's just the best. There is nothing better than getting a picture of someone reading a comic happy. Like, it, it makes me every single time. Mm-hmm. Please keep going. And uh-huh. uh, tell the creators if you love their books. Like, I can't imagine how hard it is to use your creativity and be such an exposed nerve of this is a crazy idea I had. I'm going to put it out in the universe and I hope people buy it. Like to change – to exchange your dreams into commerce is the hardest thing in the world. So <laughs> to exchange your dreams into commerce that are tangible must be even harder. So tell creators how much you appreciate their work and tag us too because I love joining the conversation. Aw, yeah. Show people some love. Uh, and please keep sending us questions like this. Uh, the Reagmaster? Reagmaster? Uh, listening to Giant Size Glider Heroes and wanted to bring this idea to your attention. Disney Channel likes crossovers. So, it's possible that we get a Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur and DuckTales crossover. Thoughts? Look, I couldn't be any more on board. I don't – like, do I think this is going to happen? Not – not necessarily ever, but like, why not, man? I'm not mad at it. Uh, I love DuckTales. The new uh, DuckTales is so good. And it's incredible. And Devil Girl should be in everything. Moon and Girl and Devil Dinosaur are going to be great. Uh, did I say Devil Girl? You did, but it's fine. It's their te- It's their ship name platonically. Um, <laughs> I I want to accept that Marvel and Disney are such a homogenous unit, uh, homogenized. Man, I'm tired. Uh, I got in at 4 a.m. today. Cool. I got in from the desert. I landed in my home at 4 a.m. and then I got up at 9 to prep for the show. I am. Boy, I'm so sorry. It was 117 degrees five of the seven days I was gone. That I am is... worn. Wow. So, but I'm here. I'm so glad uh, that I could leave you uh, incomprehensible, accidentally dirty notes. Uh, I've, I, I mean, I to, got a good giggle to wake to. me up. Yeah. I got, that's my jolt of coffee. <laughs> uh, but the fact that I've made it through two shows so far, I have one left. I'm very proud. You got uh, this. You got but, this. But. Anytime you can make a crossover work in canon that actually suits the giant empire is really cool. I love that Disney has so many IPs that we get these weird moments. I love when you get like Star Trek and X-Men. Why? 
Why not? Man, I picked up the heck out of that next gen X Men crossover in the nineties. They've done it several times, but that's the one. That's the visual for me. Like so, those moments are really cool, and I know a lot of people have a problem with uh, like the the giant crossover stuff. But I think anytime you can have your own headcanon and actually get to read it, yes. So I'm all in Ragmaster. So I need Louis and Lunella Lafayette to have a lot of conversations oh, together because why not? That you know what I want? I want uh, Darkwing Duck and Power Pack. Remember Power Pack? Yes, Power Pack a... just had a one-shot oh, that's with right. Louis Simonson and June Brigman on board. Uh, I have it sitting at home, but I have it ready, and I'm excited. It's Nickelodeon, but I got one better. Okay. Rugrats and Power Pack. Aww. Can you imagine Tommy Pickles and the Rugrats and like Chucky and their hijinks? That'd be amazing. Also, Disney Plus shows crossing over. Oh, we should do it. Okay, after our Hawksbox breakdown, I want to think of all the Disney Plus crossovers we could get. Heck Because everything yeah. is on Disney Plus. Also, there's a wild rumor that they're working on America Chavez, and I have no <sighs> idea what the source is. It's probably not real, and I don't want to get too excited, but I hope they are. That's amazing. I mean, we can get a show that Jeff Goldblum just narrates the world. We can get an America Chavez show. Right? Everything's possible now. Kick a hole in reality and make it happen, America. Yes. Uh, Matt, at Lazarus or Eazarus, not sure from what I typed, uh, <laughs> everyone keeps saying House of M for Scarlet Vision, WandaVision, but what if it's just a Avengers Disassembled. I think the show will set up a more House of M story for Multiverse of Madness by showing her start of meltdowns before the full-blown melt when Vision dies again, is their guess. I picked this question in part because we keep forgetting to say this. In my head, I collapse all of Marvel history down and I forget when things actually happen. But every time we say House of M, we mean the entire Avengers Disassembled through House of M Scarlet Witch journey. We're including Bendis' the actual Avengers end of arc into, right? Okay, uh, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. Because essentially what we're talking about is the story progression that begins with the beginning of Bendis' run on Avengers. When mm-hmm. he did the storyline we know as Avengers Disassembled. Yes. That ultimately revealed things about and tied into what they were doing with Scarlet Witch. And all of that is contained in that story that we're constantly referencing as part of what is probably maybe a foundation for this. Um, for the idea of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness for WandaVision, uh, when we talk about that underlying context with Scarlet Witch, I feel like we've bet- we've been saying House of M as shorthand uh, when what we mean is that whole journey. And that, again, that whole journey is the thing that I feel like they fixed in Avengers The Children's Crusade, and it took some time and I have a lot of thoughts on that Scarlet Witch story. I don't want to see it directly reproduced. I want to see it changed in interesting ways even though it is a very interesting part of Marvel history. Uh, but it does. I, I'm so glad you asked this question because I think you're right. It starts there. That's where you need to go look. If you're doing your Marvel reading and you're looking for more source stuff, you don't want to skip that one. Yeah. I completely agree. And, so it's less and of a also, question and more of a good job. Thank you. Good job. And if you haven't read Bendis's Disassembled, it's a great time to plug it's it because it's, it's real good. It's a great book. I may not love that period of what is happening with Scarlet Witch, but it's a really fun story, mm-hmm. and it's a really interesting and important one for the long term of the Avengers. It's when he creates the offshoot team of the new Avengers, which you will recognize because they are Netflix's defenders. Uh, it's so much of the seeds of what we have now are sown in that period of time. It's kind of fun to have, be talking about this the same week that we talk about Bendis's Legion of Superheroes because yes. he's now jumped to a different company where he's going to rewrite and reintroduce and redefine things. He's going to. Kill it with another team of incredible heroes. Oh, man, I love Bendis' work. I'm very excited. So hopefully Legion is more of an assembled and less of a disassembled, but we'll see. <laughs> Sweaty question of the week comes from Paul Wolf at the Mr. Wolf 12. Uh, I thought this was a really fun one. I hey, love this. Collider Heroes, let's play Matchmaker. What studio would you like to see do a superhero film? Any hero, any studio. I'm itching for a new WB Superman, but I'd love to see A24 take a shot at the Man of Steel. Thoughts? 
So A24, of course, is known for independent films. Uh, so it'd be a very interesting take on Superman. A24. Okay. Directed by Terrence Malick. Superman. I want to think piece about humanity that is abstract and like actual weird tree of life imagery. Dealing this with is him. hilarious because I just saw Days of Heaven, so I was like, so cornfields. Um, no, I guess they are Kansas, pretty appropriate. Yes. But picture that Days of Heaven, uh, Knights of Cups, like that weird think piece feel about what Clark sees humanity as, why he loves us so much. I want to know why Clark loves us, not that he loves us. I know that he loves us. But I want to know through long poetic dialogue and through strange imagery, we don't know how Clark sees. He's an alien. Hmm. I want to see an abstract reinterpretation a24, Terrence Malick. Uh, also, Annapurna does a lot of incredible comedies. Uh, Annapurna is like – A24 and Annapurna I think are the most consistent studios for indie film. Almost everything they put out I always see because I want to support those kind of movies. Okay. Uh, I want to see an Annapurna Booster Gold film. Oh. I want to see Booster handled small and contained and a character study. I want to see it very interesting and like tight. Uh, and I think they'd cast really interestingly. Uh, and then I, I forgot to prep this. These are off the top of my head. Uh, I want to see a Lionsgate Plastic Man. Um, because I feel like Lionsgate walks that mid-range budget line really well, and I think they'd give it like some flexibility where the comedy could be what Plastic Man needs to be. Um, I think once we have like a real X-Men universe, I want to see a Fox Searchlight X-Men type film that's like about a dysfunctional family. Did you, did you read the worst X-Men? No. That X-Men that's just the worst. It's a five-issue miniseries, and like read it, and we'll talk about it. Okay. Because I think that's exactly Fox Searchlight, the worst X-Men. Mm. Uh, also, uh, Blumhouse doing Swamp Thing. Oh. I think that'd be amazing. Alan Moore Swamp Thing. Like, adapt Alan Moore Swamp Thing through Blumhouse. Uh, this, this is very, very fun. Uh, let's see. Who's making the new Little Women right now? The, the oh. new, uh, Greta Gerwig. What studio is behind that? I gotta check. Let's, let's do more of this next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because okay. we're a little over time to... and I want to dive into this, but I want you to keep going. We do. We need more time. But I want uh, cool, historical, lady-led comic book films uh, out of the studio that's doing that little woman because that trailer looks amazing. And I want uh, Amy Sherman Palladino to handle uh, the She-Hulk in any way. And anyway, I just started Marvelous Miss Maisel and it's changing my life. Yay! It's incredible. <laughs> and I'm not even to Zach Levi yet. And next season, Sterling K. Brown? That's how they sold me. I found out Sterling K. That's, Brown was in next season. It's a I was Koi like, trap. That's a, what you put in a trap for Koi. You put uh, Sterling K. Brown in a trailer. I'm in. Also, <laughs> This Is Us season four. Oh my God, the trailer made me cry. Y'all aren't ready for This Is Us commentary starting September 20th. So This, this is, is Us commentary and 20-year musicals. We are on task, as always, <laughs> uh, because we just love the world of storytelling. And thank you for coming on this ride with us. We love doing this podcast. Thank you so much for listening to it. Uh, please keep sending your questions because they are so much fun. And until next week, stay, stay sweaty. sweaty. Stay little chico, pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. 
And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba da ba ba ba.